Welcome to Cowboys Replay. This is the Greek. This is the first episode that we're really trying to do this. I have a good friend of mine, Nick from South Florida, huge Cowboys fan, knowledgeable not, not only with the Cowboys, but the NFL, a passionate fan. What's up, Nick? Not much. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Let's get into it. Uh, I like asking this question to like friends of mine. What's the first Cowboys game that you remember watching? So it's it's a I remember it vividly, but for more bad than good. Um, I was six years old. It was Thanksgiving Day, nineteen ninety eight, when the Minnesota Vikings came to Dallas, and uh, most most fans remember pretty vividly that Randy Moss had himself a field day that Thanksgiving, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was three catches for 163 and three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that game. I remember it because I was so excited that they were going to draft him. (laughs) And he was right there. Yep. And we took Greg Ellis. Yeah, not bad, but not definitely not Randy Moss. <laughs> not him, yeah. So that, yeah. So, so you, you, all right. So you're sitting there watching it, and uh, so you're six years old. Are you thinking? Did you know about the draft when you were six? No, or? no, I didn't. I see. I back then I wasn't aware of the whole situation. How Randy Moss fell to Minnesota. Um, you know how we ended up taking Greg. Instead, I just, um, I was sitting there, my dad is, is how I became a Cowboys fan, actually. He's a diehard Cowboys fan as well. Uh, I was sitting there with him on Thanksgiving, just watching, and I just remember him being just so mad every time Randy Moss went deep, or even, I think his third touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, was a quick little screen, and then he broke a tackle and just outran the rest of the secondary to the end zone. But, I mean, at the same time, like, think it, I, I do think back, and, uh, that was the year that Minnesota ended up going 15 and one, and then they lost to Atlanta in the um, wow. NFC Championship game. So yeah. they were pretty stacked. Yeah, that's so so back then, before obviously the Patriots in what 07, that was the highest score. Was that the highest scoring? I think it was. I think it was. offense. It, well, yeah. it, might, it might have been that until I think the Rams, the greatest show on turf, might have taken that over in like the early 2000s. Right. Right, I got you. Yeah, so yeah, I remember that game. It, it was it was sickening watching it because all I was thinking was we should have this guy. Yeah. And of all the times, you know, Jerry Jones would take these flashy players, you know, yeah. uh, sign these receivers. Even afterwards, that's what's even more annoying. Is like he he kind of I thought they kind of listened to all the negative um, information that was coming out about Moss. You know, obviously he he was at I don't know where was he at Notre Dame, uh, and then he went to no, where, was, where did he go? Was uh, I know he was looking at Florida State. I don't remember now if he ever committed to. He might have been a commit to Florida State, went to Notre Dame, and then got in trouble and ended up right. at Marshall. Right, and he lit but it I know up there. there was some Florida State involved because right. I always that's another thing. So one, he could have gone to my alma mater. And two, he could have been a Dallas Cowboy, and he didn't either. So, 
kind of heartbreaking. Right, right. Well, so that, that, that like, so that you got your, your, your first game memory and your most, I guess, the, the game you'd like to forget, maybe, too. Oh, well, not quite, but it, it could okay. be. But, but definitely, I, I think there's a couple other ones that I'd rather forget. What's the, what's the one that stands out the most, like, if you, like that you just cannot get over? As far as, as far as, like, the most negative, like, worst one? Yeah, like, the worst. Uh, like, well, I, know, it, I, I have a couple of them. Yeah, I'm um, sure you're going to have a couple more than yeah. I, but... I, I, there's two, and uh, they both involve the same team, and they both involve the playoffs. And, I know, I, I mean, know which one it is. I know who. This is this is the youth in me. Um, you know, unfortunately, when I was really growing up and getting into football, it was the, just the end of the Aikman days, and um, you know, there was not much success. We we went through Quincy Carter, Hutchinson, Drew Henson. I think Clint Storner played a couple games. We had Ryan Leaf at one point. I mean, it was bad. So most of my like early childhood and, and early, you know, teenage years was just rough. But, um, you know, the Cowboys then started getting to the playoffs a little later. And I, I still to this day, well, let me rephrase that. Until the NFC Championship game this year that they blew that pass interference call in the Saints-Rams game, the Dez Bryant call in 2014 in Lambeau was the worst call in NFL history. And I truly believe that it robbed us at a shot of playing in the Super Bowl. Because we had already Seattle in Seattle once that year. And we matched up so well with our running attack and, uh, you know, the efficiency Romo had with, with Dez, Witten, and Terrence Williams. Um, but the other one is, of course, then two years later in Dallas, the first year of Dak and Zeke, you get, you know, Dallas gets behind big early. Uh, Dak and Zeke lead, lead us back to a, to a tie game. And uh, Aaron freaking Rodgers, man. He, <laughs> he, he rolls left while, they, by the way, David Irving was put in a chokehold on that play that they just yeah. had selected the call. Um, he rolls left, throws an absolute dime. I believe it was over the top of... I, I don't remember who it was over the top of, but I know Byron Jones was in on it. was in between two players. Yeah, he just corners. It was. It was, it was I know Byron was in there, but this was back when Byron was still at safety. So I think it was. I can't even remember. It might have been Morris Claiborne. I don't even know. But it was over the top of one of the corners and right in front of Byron and and Jerry Cook just somehow tippy toed to keep it in. And then the worst part after all that was Mason Crosby, who missed five kicks in a game this year, boots it from 52 yards. It's going left. And at the last I know. In. I remember watching it. I thought it was going to stay left and then it cooked, hooked in to the right. Yeah. Um, tough, way, tough way to go out as a number one seed. Yeah. Well, the... um. Yeah, those two are bad, the Packers, the two, both Packers. I actually watched the um, some clips of the Dez play again because I, I can't get over that play. That's like, I think about it a lot. When the season starts, I just what could have been, I, like, I agree with you. The team, they were the hottest team in the, the, going down the stretch. Yeah. Um, they had beaten everybody that was supposed to be to get to that spot. And with that with that time left in the game, it would have put a 
it would have put the Packers in. Not, not to say that Rodgers couldn't have come, you know, we don't know right. what was going to happen right. after that. But at least, let, you know, that play's got to stand. And what, what's even more infuriating is it was called a catch on the field. They review yeah. it. And I don't know how many more things Dez had to do to prove that he caught the ball, but he did, like, everything he needed to do. Yeah. And if you look at the replay, it doesn't even, you cannot even see the ball actually hit the ground. His hand is like wrapped around the point of the ball. So from what I saw, it was not definite that that ball even touched the ground. Like I could oh, make an I, argument that it didn't. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, even, even, even worst case, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say the ball did hit the ground. Dez went up and caught the ball came down, took three steps, in, in which those three steps, he switched the ball from his right arm to his left arm, and he extended. So I I don't know what qualifies anymore as a football oh, move. If none of those qualify as a football move, I don't know what does. I know. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing. The ground can't cause a fumble, but something like that, they're going to say that you he didn't quote-unquote the process I mean and, and to your point you're absolutely right Aaron Rodgers could have come down the field and beat us but you've got to let the players dictate the game you don't you right. don't you don't call it a catch on the field and then you can't tell me no one can tell me with a hundred percent confidence that they were sure that was right. not a catch yeah well that it yeah that it didn't hit the ball hit the the ball didn't hit the ground either and uh the other thing I get I get a little mad at Dez too for that play yeah. Because if he didn't, he didn't have to score. The most yeah. important thing was just getting the ball and going to yeah. the ground. Because and actually, if he scored, it was worse. Because at least if he caught it and just secured it to his body and went to the ground, there's no chance that that call that you know the play gets put into the referee's hand. And then you can run the ball and maybe it takes you two, three plays to run it and that you're, you're eating clock too at the same time. Right. And maybe but, you give Rodgers two minutes instead of four. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, dude. Well, well I, I'm sure you remember this. Uh, another big play in that game was, uh, I think it was either the second or third quarter, maybe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, DeMarco Murray took a handoff and there was a gaping hole right up the middle yep. and Julius Peppers stuck that big paw out and ripped the ball out and they got it back and I think they went down and scored and it really just changed yep. the entire flow of the game that yeah that right there could have sealed the game they were they were right about to like hit him with a knockout blow there during that point of the game and he, there was nobody in front of him no. he was gone he went through the hole he was gone and out of nowhere Peppers comes from the side and strips him and yeah. you know, it, that, it, that it even hurts me now talking about it. <laughs> so, dude, I hear you. All right, so um, another thing, another thing I like asking, you know, when we get together, Cowboys fans, whatever, you're sitting at the bar, you're watching games. Who's your favorite all-time player? So, <laughs> wow. Um, well, you know, you look at the Dallas Cowboys and. I mean, there's a rich history, right? So, like, even before my time, you got Danny White, you got Roger Staubach, Drew Pearson, Tony Dorsett, you know, Herschel Walker, even in a short time, um, you know, he was there. But, of course, you have the triplets and, you know, those guys. But 
I went, I'm going to go a different route here and go with someone who might not be a common choice. Uh, and, you know, also, again, speaks to my age and, you know, the, the time of era that I've been watching the Cowboys. But I have always loved the Marcus Ware. Um, I mean, I I mean, he was just an incredible, not only pass rusher, but I mean, the man, I don't know if you remember this. I couldn't tell you the year, and I apologize for that. I think it was a Thursday night game in Atlanta. Michael Vick was still playing for the Falcons. And DeMarcus had already sacked him earlier in the game. Uh, another possession, Vick tries to pump fake and get Ware in the air, mm-hmm. and tries to throw the ball while Ware is on his way down, and Ware hangs in the air and picks it off and runs it back. <laughs> yes, um, I remember that play. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's not many guys who have over 125 career sacks that can say that they were athletic enough to do that. Um, and you know, he was just such a good leader. He never got into trouble. He, he, you know, he was part of. Let's be honest, he was a part of some really bad defenses. You know, um, uh, outside of him, but he never, he never complained. He never, you know had made issues with the organization and he was always a class act. Um, so honestly, I have to say, even though I never want to see someone besides Dallas win a Super Bowl, I was happy to see him win one. Yeah, me too, man. That that made me happy. I was I was very happy for him. He's a good guy. It's funny. Um, when um, I actually, I don't know if I ever showed you this, but I actually spoke to him on a, a Google Hangout. Really? Did I ever show you that? I don't. I'll, oh. I'll send it to you. Yeah, like um, when Google Google Plus first came out, I was like ticked because I I had went into the comments and they asked me if I wanted to be on with with him with like four or five other fans. So wow. yeah, I was able. You know, it's recorded. I, I'll send it to you. But um, yeah, he also it was cool. He sent me um he sent me an autographed eight by ten, too for being on. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Not everyone just gets to uh, talk to a pizza hall of famer like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, what do you think as far as the off season, the moves they've made? What's what? Which one stands out to you? So I I have to say. Um, it's funny because a lot of people I talk to, you know, a lot of my friends, they like to rag on me being a Cowboys fan. They always make fun because Dallas never does anything in the offseason. And especially going into this offseason with all the, you know, stuff with Earl Thomas, um, you know, after he ran after Garrett that, that Christmas Eve game. Um, when he signed with Baltimore, everyone's like, oh, there you go, Dallas doing nothing again. But I have to say, this is, this offseason is really, really satisfying for me. And I'll tell you why. So, we had a couple of needs, I wouldn't say significant or glaring, but, but definite needs that we needed to address. Um, and for the first time in a long time, and, and especially for me, since I can remember, the Cowboys are in a great spot as far as the cap. They're, as far as I can remember, they were always trying to restructure the contracts, stay under the cap, and make sure that they can you know, keep some of their key players and things of that nature. But in the past couple of years, with the dead money from Romo and Dez, et cetera, coming off the books, we finally have some room. And the patience and and discipline that Stephen Jones showed to not jump in and I mean Earl Thomas, 
is getting 22 million, if I'm not mistaken. I have to go back and check. It's 22 or 32 million over the first nine months of oh his contract. All right, I love him. I think he's an absolute game changer. But I'm sorry, with the guys coming up for contracts, you can't give into right. that. We're going to pay him that much. So, with that being said, I'll get into kind of the, the actual additions. So, um, the top, I, I would say my top two, a lot of good ones. I like Christian Covington and Kerry Hyder for depth at D tackle. Um, Covington's coming from Houston. He he was playing a little bit of DN slash nose tackle there. I think he's going to fit in a little bit better in a 4-3 kind of one technique behind the Antoine Woods. Um, Kerry Hyder's coming over from Detroit. He had eight sacks a couple years ago. Um, they, they went to a 3-4, I believe, um, and he just kind of was out of place. I think he's going to be a really good rotational guy with Malik Collins with the three technique. Um, but the big ones, I got to say, 1A has got to be Robert Quinn. So, right. Two things. One, the guy is a six, uh, two-time Pro Bowler, uh, 69 career sacks. We gave up a sixth-round pick in 2020 to get him. I mean, he had Bro. six and a half sacks last year on a bad team. Right. What? I, I I just couldn't believe that that's all they gave up. Yeah, because that's all they had hearing, to give up. Right. I was hearing we were looking at even giving up as much as a fourth in 2020 to get Quinn and instead we gave up a six. Uh, we got, we got him to re-sign a one year deal for only eight mil. So we knocked four million off of this cap hit. And with everything going on with, you know, Randy Gregory, I think it's really important to get a solid end because we don't know what we're going to get from Taco. And then, you know, uh, Tyrone Crawford, love him. He, you know, he, he brings a lot to the team as far as his leadership and things like that, but he's not a true right end. And while he has had some success and he's good against the run, we really needed a great pass rush on the other side. And if if we get Hank to resign, which I'm getting a little nervous yeah, about, but I'm sure we will. If we get Hank on one side and Quinn on the other, I like Collins too from that three technique. I he he has had success getting the quarterback in his career. I think our D line is in for a I know. Here. It looks really. The whole key is you got to get Lawrence in there. You get Lawrence, and you got these these guys. Forget it. It's going to be the, the D is really going to take a, a step up. Yeah, in my I mean, opinion. Yeah. You know, it all starts like with the rush and the pass rush. So, and it, it you know it, it covers up some weaknesses. But the D the D played had great games last year with their current and I guess I, their current uh, roster, and then now with these guys coming in. I just think it's going to be a, a good season for them. Yeah, absolutely. And then o- offensively, um, I, you know, we brought back Witten, which I think um, is, you know, it is what it is. We, we, we know he's not going to be the, you know, at the Hall of Fame level he was at for a long time. But you still have that reliable option on, you know, third and seven, third and eight. I don't think there's anyone better in NFL history. Um, right. You know, and then especially with Cole Beasley leaving, I think it's going to give Dak another security blanket and some kind of level of comfort, you know, being that they played together before Witten retired this past year, unexpected, well, unexpectedly, but at, at the time he did, I guess I would say, right, right during the draft. But um, the other part of that whole Beasley equation is Randall Cobb. Now, 
anyone who's been a Cowboys fan and who has experienced the last, you know, five to seven years knows Randall Cobb has been a Cowboys killer. And yeah. to get a guy like him who's, you know, a proven receiver, he is unbelievable with the ball in his hands, which, you know, don't get me wrong, Beasley was great for us, and I, I, I truly do hope he does well in Buffalo. I'm glad he got, you know, his money that we weren't willing to give him. Um, but the thing with Beasley was a lot of times he caught the ball and then kind of dove down where he was, whereas Cobb is a little bit more dynamic in the way that he can catch the ball, make the guy miss, and then turn on the burners and, and, and you know, take it the distance. So um, we got him, he's a year younger than Cole Beasley, and we got him at a, at a discounted rate compared to what Beasley's on. Right. I, I, I think it's an upgrade. Yeah, I do. I think you got a better player. You got a better player. You got a more explosive player that can uh, get a lot after the catch, and uh, ex- an experienced guy who knows how to get open too. Yeah, and that, and you know, one of the things that um, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about in in, in the Rams of signing that I've been thinking. You know, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Period. But. And, and in my opinion, this is a whole another show, but uh, one of the best ever. Right. But, no, I actually, I didn't start to cut you off. I think he's the best ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's hard to argue talent-wise, I, but nonetheless, that's like I said, another show. But uh, um, his ability to kind of improvise and get out of the pocket and, and make make something happen is huge. And Cobb being with Rodgers for all those years, learned how to adjust. He learned how to break off his route if Rodgers, you know, got out of the pocket and, and, and make that adjustment. You got the same kind of, you know, dynamic with that. So the guy, you know, is good at getting out of trouble. And, you know, he's big and strong, so he can get out of there. He's quick. Um, so I really hope that Cobb can bring that kind of imp- improvisation to Prescott getting out of the pocket. And right. Then, some big broken plays. Yep. Another good point too is um, you were talking about Witten, along with the you know him him being able to get open. Of course, I, I think we lost on the offensive side. We lost all of our veterans. Yeah. The guys that have really like kept the younger guys in check, and also they've been through you know battle together, and then. At the, oh, it, one by one, they all disappeared. You know, it's like yeah. Des, Des was gone, Romo was gone, Romo, Des, and then Witten, and then, you know, it's like they all, they were all gone, and now you just have a, a group of young guys. So I think it would be good um, for the, in the huddle and during game days, and of course during practices, to have him back in there, because it's like, a, it's like having another coach on the field. No, absolutely. I mean, besides, the, you're right, besides the offensive linemen, there was no real veteran leadership left. Um, you know, Dak and Zeke really did step up, I think, nicely. But, you know, in their third year, it's not its not the same as Witten, who was drafted in 2003. We know this is, this is going to be his 15th year, technically, with the year off. But 16 years ago, he was drafted. So, uh, right. you're, you're absolutely right. I think that's a, that's a big aspect. And I also think, um, you know, last year, towards the end of the year, we saw... Blake Jarwin, you know, I know he had the big breakout game in New York, but even besides that, I, I really saw him develop as a receiver and a blocker. And Dalton Schultz, we even started to see a little bit out of him too towards the end of the year, probably the last six, seven games. So I'm really excited for them to have that kind of leadership from Witten and have 
the ability to learn from one of the best to ever do it. So um, I think that will really help those young guys out as well. Absolutely. All right, Nick, man, I appreciate you coming on tonight, and I'll definitely come on again. Let's do it again. You see, yeah, like we just awesome. we just did a we just did like a half hour, like it was nothing. <laughs> so, really yeah, it's almost been a half hour there, and you know, I had to put some notes down, you know, to to go over some some more stuff, but it's like we we already filled the time, so uh, okay. definitely, I'll reach out to you again to come on. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm happy to be on anytime anytime you'd like me to. All right, thanks, man. All right. Well, that's it. That that wraps up the first episode, Cowboys Replay. Join us the next time, replaying all that's Dallas Cowboys. <laughs>